Hi and welcome to part two of um, the best bits for series two. Hope you enjoyed the first part and hope you enjoyed the second part. Hack up a loser, part two. So you know, phone hacking is kind of it's going on still. Um, it's kind of like when you get grass in your mouth, you just can never get rid of that bad taste in the back of your throat. <laughs> The uh, mother of murder victim Sarah Payne has been told that um, she may have been a victim of phone hacking by the charity that she'd set up. Now, the one thing of why this is probably a lot worse than the other examples is that this woman worked for the News of the World um, championing a thing called Sarah's Law, which was to give parents the right to be able to see if there was uh, sex offenders living near them. And, well, everyone knows the background to it. But... They hacked the phone that this woman was given by the News of the World. So on one face of the News of the World, they're going, oh, you're doing a great thing. Thanks very much for all your help on this. And on the other, they were going, oh, let's see how distressed she is. And when Rebecca Brooks comes out and goes, this is morally wrong, then you know that you've hit a brand new low. Like, you are past, like, the devil and... Onyx, you are now like going into what I'd like to call go to hell times two <laughs> because just how the thing is, I'm struggling to even make to even articulate this point of just how anyone could be so two faced, but then I have kind of just realized midway through this sentence that this is the Murdochs, so that point doesn't really stand. It's kind anymore. of like how did this idea get into your head? It's like, I know, yeah. this woman's just had her daughter murdered. I'm going to go uh, hack her voicemail. It's like, does any normal self-respecting person have any kind of thought like that? Is that the first thing that someone thinks to do? Oh, someone's just died. I'll better go root through their possessions. It's like, <laughs> it is. it just seems alien to me as well. Yeah, they do say, say it's like in the public interest, but how could anybody want to listen or know anything about a family's grievances i think everyone would agree that at that time it's you know the ultimate distress you're feeling is that you'd want to be left alone well i think most of the public bar you know scum readers would actually honor that it's just the one thing that the british public usually does we are quite compassionate and it just seems that the news of the world is the anti-British public it is everything that it. If they thought that what they were doing is right, there wouldn't have been so much outrage in the British public when this has come out to what there have been. So these people need to be dragged through the streets in a cart. <laughs> I genuinely, I'm sick and tired of reading Glenn Mulcair's name. Not because I want the story to go away. It's just like, how did we? How did it take this long for us to get this absolute? Imagine the, the swear button here as well. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> and uh, as usual, That's... News International has not responded to the uh, the claims. I couldn't think of a lie yeah. quick enough. Rupert Murdoch had his face in a pool of <laughs> melted down coins, so. <laughs> Couldn't respond. Hackapalooser, part two. Aye, aye. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to more sort of the political influence news International had. It seems pretty much everyone is in the same plague pit. Um, Chancellor George Osborne has had 16 separate meetings with um, Rupert Murdoch's Um, companies and executives and so on. Labour leader Ed Miliband has had 15 meetings or social contacts whatever that means really. They passed each other on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) He tweeted Rupert, Rupert, get me into power lol. (laughs) Uh, And um, David Cameron has outdone them all with a Quite a nice 26. Yeah, but that's not actually him meeting them. That's just his forehead coming into contact with them, which is anyone in the five-mile radius, to be fair. Reflecting, like, light (laughs) messages in Morse code. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, David Cameron has ordered that all ministerial meetings with media proprietors, senior editors and executives are published. And um, him and Ed Miliband, well, and most of the Conservative Party, you would assume, are going to look quite bad. But Nick Cleggs is just going to be a, a really short list with just tear stains all down it. You'd imagine. Nick Clegg was actually uh, meeting him today and he's met him every day for the past year um, since the coalition made it. Just no one notices Nick Clegg anymore. They just think he's that waiter in the background. He doesn't make <laughs> um, This really comes amid fears that politicians have become too close to the Murdoch empire and then have obviously hypocritically gone on a major offensive against him in the last couple of weeks now that they know that any association with him will not get them elected. Wait a minute, are you somehow saying that politicians jump on a public opinion bandwagon of some sort? I would never say that, Adam. I mean, David Cameron has been well known to avoid any kind of wagon. <laughs> Just... He prefers bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially British politics. <sighs> At least you can say it's a good time for it to clean up and if we actually act then well democracy as a whole will be a winner but whether that will happen who knows democracy could yet still be that sad child who never won the goldfish at the fair hackapaloozer part two i i i that's part three yeah it's the third part because i said part two i i for you because <sighs> that's an appendage <laughs> okay uh so this is about the u.s <laughs> contrary to the crazy intro Adam gave us um, <laughs> basically this is talking about again how <clears throat> uh, News Corp and it's um, that relatives of victims of the 9-11 terror attacks in New York are um, set to meet with America's top law enforcement officials um, to discuss further allegations that journalists working for News Corp over in America um, tried to gain access to the phone records of those killed in the attacks Um the U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder has agreed to see a group of family members and their lawyers and representatives um, in August to discuss the progress of uh, this investigation by the FBI. Um, and the agreement to hold a meeting is a sign of, you know, kind of how serious this inquiry is, you know, now being taken. Uh, the very fact that they're meeting yeah. with the FBI. Um, <clears throat> Norman Siegel, who's a New, New York-based lawyer who represents 20 of the families who lost uh, fam who lost like loved ones in September the 11th confirmed that um confirmed the meeting was taking place and he said he, he intended to take as many of the relatives as possible uh to see Eric Holder in Washington uh, he said we're hoping the allegations of hacking proved to be untrue but we want a thorough investigation to determine what happened the thing that worries me is is the mirror said this and everyone went oh it can't be true and then you were kind of waiting for, like, you know, the next day statement of, no, it is definitely not true. And then that statement never came. And then the next day came and that statement never came. So, like, there is that lingering little thought in the back of your head, which is going, seriously, they haven't done this. Like, this would actually be a new, new, new low. And we've already had a new, new low in this episode. So they're setting a good record at the moment. You can say they're nothing if not ambitious. Yeah, they're, they're aiming for the core of this planet, not hell. They want to go straight to the core, like a very bad 2004 film. <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> oh, thank you, Adam. This would open up basically, well, I'm thinking of a word, but I can't use that. A new storm, I'll say, because <laughs> if America um, grasps hold of this story and it is turned out to be true, I mean... They're just going to go so mental. And in the country where News Corps is actually registered as well, that Murdoch is in such trouble of actually losing almost everything he has. Imagine some kind of having all of your limbs tied up and then someone coming in with a massive plank of wood. That's kind of what the American legal system can do to News Corp. So I'm kind of hoping he's either moving to Australia <laughs> into the outback not be found or he's you know just sorry to say this Rupert but just finish it it's all over not his life I mean just you know resign yeah we don't advocate murder <laughs> or suicide on this week in lies well hmm. 
Arab Spring news now. Boing. Oh, we are back with this. We gave it a we gave it a rest last week, you know, just to let the boys get on with it. And look what they've done during uh, that time. They've got themselves an embassy. Well done, oh, boys. Well done. Give me give me a hand. And some funds. Way. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Tripoli's condemned us recognizing the rebels as Libya's sole government authority because. Uh, Essentially, nobody's their friend, <laughs> and they're feeling quite sorry for themselves. But uh, Khalid came, the deputy foreign minister in uh, Gaddafi's government. He hasn't defected yet or become a spy or gone to an oil meeting, which didn't actually happen. He's actually, I think, the only guy still <laughs> working for it. <laughs> it's told reported that the decision was unprecedented and irresponsible, and Libya would challenge it in the courts. What courts? Which courts? <laughs> the courts that Gaddafi doesn't recognise are the only ones you can do it in. Hmm. Could be an interesting adventure. Maybe he'll be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just going to like stand on top of a cardboard box with like a hammer. <laughs> but uh, Britain has ordered the expulsion of uh, the eight remaining Gaddafi diplomats in the UK and the rebel leadership, the National Transitional Council, has put forward... Mahmoud Al-Naku, who I saw an interview with on uh, the BBC, and honest to God, the man is a legend. He's not getting a legend award, but he's been in the UK now for 30 years um, as an exile, and people have been trying to kill him, and he laughed it off. He laughed about being assassinated. He laughed in the face of death. He's oh, trying to kill me, it's just a game. <laughs> he looks like he's going to become the new Libyan ambassador to London. But um, Gaddafi typically has not let us down for ridiculous quotes, which one of my favourites is, is he promotes protest amongst his citizens, but, and I quote, as long as they don't do it on the streets or make any noise. (laughs) Okay. He said that if the UK does not recognise me, I do not recognise the tyrant monarchy. (laughs) And... He's not finished there. He said, I am stronger than the West. My army assures me we can fight off any invasion. So that's a lunatic combined with a lot of missiles that we sold him and a lot of yes men. That's quite scary. It could all go very badly wrong. And Libya could be reduced to some form of giant crater. (laughs) Do you think the army basically, when they um, he was asking if they could fight off anything, just went, um, yeah, yeah, and then turned around and said, we're going to have to get some bigger bombs? <laughs> uh, the thing is, I'm still waiting on these bees. Have you noticed any bees? No. I had a bee in my room the other day. It's a spy. Oh, There's no bees in Guatemala. He's not attacking here. Don't know what's going on. But Gaddafi, you're crazy! You're so crazy. Um, carrying on this whole just Libya Arab Spring news um, a sweep by government force in Libya has seized one person every hour during oh it's in Syria Syria. um, has seized one person every four hours during the five month uprising and detained them in secret um, leaving their families you know no ways to locate them says a human rights group the group I think is Avaz uh, Clay, I think that's how you pronounce it, A-V-A-A-Z if you want to check it, uh, claims 2,918 people have been forcibly disappeared um, since anti-government demonstrations began in Syria on the 15th of March. Most, re- most of the people are accused of being involved in the rebellion that continues to undermine the regime, um, which has been long renowned as the Middle East's most formidable police state. Uh, and an additional 12,617 people also remain in detention. However, um, their incarceration has been declared to family members so they can actually, you know, see them and know where they are. They're not just, you know, gone. Until they randomly decide to send them back in a bag, dead. Uh, Tens of thousands more people have fled from towns and villages in northern Syria uh, in the face of uh, increasing and more intensive military assaults um, that Damascus claims are ridding the area of criminals and collaborators. But, yeah, not really sure there. 
Has Stalin been re- like reincarnated? Like forcibly disappeared? It's uh, it's like Mao Zedong, isn't it? And his uh, campaign to suppress counter revolutionaries, <laughs> where he literally just murdered like a million people. It's like, oh, you don't like my views? Okay, I'll uh, deal with deal with that some way. And then a million people just disappeared. Yeah. Well, I reckon it's been probably a bit misinterpreted. It's probably just a nice holiday they're sending them all on because they care about the people so much. I mean, they'll give them some nice literature about how great the government is and then a nice day at the beach where they'll rub sand into their eyes so they never forget it. It's kind of, I bet they're all at the same resort as uh, Gaddafi's oil minister. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, if Syria is actually the most formidable police state, We've got a bit of a problem in the Met at the moment, you know. We could be nicking a few of their coppers to help us out. You know, they're not really exactly being good friends of this country. They've got a lot of police, which are killing a lot of people. We need a lot more police because we can't afford them, or they've been a little bit entangled in corruption charges. Syria, we'll have a transfer, 250k plus Ben. for. Uh, <laughs> Why me? I don't want to go to Syria. You'd fit in. Uh. By fitting, I mean get killed, but same thing. Six police officers, are we saying? Yeah, probably six. Yeah, six and a community support officer. Get back to us on that one. Yeah, and uh, give them permission that if anyone has a hood up in a shopping centre to beat them to death. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the world of fish was king. <laughs> <laughs> may come across, let's say, logical, rational, and I was going to say sensible, but then I realised I did just make a joke about someone who has their last name of Boner. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but we received an email this week from a man called Tea Party Roger. I won't give you the rest of his email address because I know you'll all launch a stern defence of the show and email the hell out of him. I'd like to just tell the world what this man sent to us. <coughs> I'm just going to get my reading voice on. We must say we now, actually did really love the email, whether it's completely oh, serious or not. It's brilliant. So, brilliant. yeah, we're going to share it with you. Go ahead, Adam. The uh, email was entitled, Damn Communists. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> Dear Lenin, Marx and Stalin. <laughs> I have listened to your podcast. I hate it. You damn commies are all that is wrong with the world. You clearly have no morals and were raised by wolves. As you would not openly hate religion, you must love Muslims. You also are evil gay liberals who think it's wise to crack laugh at us conservatives who are defending the world from the evil from the east and from within our borders. Clearly never heard of a comma. <laughs> you probably are in that so-called human right brigade right at the centre. And he spelled centre wrong. Come on, it's not hard. I hate people like you. Rights are for those who deserve them. <laughs> Colour means nothing, but they do make a lot of evil in the world. <laughs> and no, listeners, it, it, it's got another paragraph. You damn liberals need to learn an education... <laughs> And not make <laughs> oh god, and not make wise quips at people who clearly know what's going on in the world. Bet you goddamn socialists love to make fun at people who understand the world and know the real truth about it all. I hate everything you stand for and say, assholes. <laughs> now, the lack of punctuation, the fact that he spelt centre and colour wrong, the Sheer and utter racism. The fact that we go from being communist to liberal to <laughs> socialist in nine sentences. And the fact that, you know, like, this is a man who supports the Tea Party and he thinks we're assholes. I just want to know which one of us is Lenin, which one's Marx, which one's Stalin. Well, my theory is you always introduce yourself first, so you've got to be Lenin. I'm the brains behind the operation, so I'm Marx. And uh, Fish Fish is the one that's been well known to lock people up and you know not let them out. He also days. has a very nice oh. handlebar moustache. That is <laughs> true. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. 
So he's got to be Stalin. So yeah, <clears throat> that was the email. Uh, we got that through just in case you didn't know our email address, which is I think it's thisweekinlies at hotmail.co.uk. I think that's right, isn't it, Adam? Yeah. Is um, we're just going to plug the Twitter and stuff like that. So the Twitter is at thisweekinlies. Facebook is thisweekinlies. And yeah, Adam, you got some more. We've got some quick shout-outs to do, haven't we? Not done yeah, before. just uh, a few shouts out for Mr. Gary Eaves, who is holding that last name to a lot higher reputation than his daughter can do. <laughs> um, and for Mr. Peter Holland III from Chicago, who I'd like to apologise to because I called him a Yank in reference to him being American, which he found offensive because he's a Cubs fan. So, Peter, I, I apologise and... I'm sorry that, that I made that mistake. Thanks for emailing. We're sorry you're a Cubs yeah. fan as well. <laughs> that was David. I'm not going to email you apologising for that. I've already emailed you apologising for that one. But, yeah, thank you, Tea Party Roger. You've amused us. That did brighten up yeah, our week. Considerably. Uh, we'd also want to give a shout-out to uh, Ken from Korea who gave us one of our first iTunes review, which was uh, a five-star, where he uh, playfully jested that Fish wasn't a co-host, that he was actually a guest. And we should get a new one. <laughs> which was amazing. And Ken, we literally had so much banter from that one message that Fish just didn't want to even do the show anymore. He was considering leaving. Yeah, you do owe me a box of tissues from when I had to lock myself away. And cry, I'll point out <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are sponsored by Kleenex. I told you, Adam, stop test. giving them airtime. They've not paid for it. <laughs> when they start throwing down the money, then I'll plug Kleenex all they want. Blue Sky Thinkers. Now, Mr. Hilton is a Blue Sky Thinker. So that essentially means he looks up at the sky and thinks, ooh, isn't that pretty? And it's probably good that he doesn't work for anyone important or, you know, in any kind of responsibility. Oh, wait a minute. Adam, I think uh, I think he does. He, he, does that say what I, I think, think it that says? says I think that he works. Oh, God. Is, is he the Prime Minister's strategy director? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Can, can we confirm that? I somewhere? can confirm it. Uh, it's true. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, this hippie has <laughs> reportedly suggested the, <laughs> the radical ideas during discussions on scrapping red tape and bureaucracy to boost economic growth, which doesn't sound stupid, but Mr. Hilton then decided to continue his ridiculous nature and say that... Uh, he didn't understand why the Prime Minister had to obey the law. <laughs> yeah. He also said that um, Mr Cameron should just simply ignore European Labour regulations on temporary workers. Yep, yeah, that's another one. That's a good one, that. And uh, he had to be explained that if David Cameron broke the law, that David would go to prison as well. But, Yeah. It, apparently, Mr. Hilton, who often walks around the Prime Minister's office without shoes, without clothes, and <laughs> being walked by Nick Clegg with a gimp lead around his neck. <laughs> He's an increasingly influential figure who uh, often suggests seemingly crazy ideas in an attempt to spark creative debate. So, uh, let's play the What Steve Hilton Has Said to Make Debate Game Now. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Right, okay, here we go. While looking at the ways to cut the deficit, Steve Hilton suggested what? Is it A, abolishing the monarchy? Is it B, playing with monopoly money? Or is it C, abolishing hundreds of government press offices and replacing them with a single person in each department who would communicate via a blog? B. <laughs> I reckon A. No, it's C. He thinks that you can get rid of press officers and just go, there's a blog, everybody. So would that be all the departments, sort of what they want to say to the press, just updated to a blog, and then they just go to newspaper journalists, look on there? Pretty much. But we all know that, you know, the government in the last couple of years has been great when it's come to, let's say, not releasing stuff it didn't mean to release. 
It's been mm. quite good for that. So, you ready for the next for question two in the game? Yep. He also wanted to suspend what? All consumer rights legislation for nine months to, and I quote, see what would happen. I think you're giving it away slightly. No, 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 no. there's more quotes, don't worry. Suspend Elmo, because, and I quote, he just looks me. Or suspend BBC One, because it stopped playing his favourite programme. And I quote, it made me upset at night. I had to wash my feet with no BBC One. Which one do you think it is? I'm going to go with A. (laughs) It's all of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, it isn't. Uh, It's not, it's A. It might as well be all of them for this man. He seems like a like one of those little kids where you just got like some keys and some tinfoil and like his days made. So he said he wanted to suspend all consumer rights for nine months to see what would happen. Yeah, what pretty an much. Absolute lad. Yeah, we should suspend all human rights for let's say a year. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> suspend. He also seems like a ch- a child in the way. It's just like. What would happen if you drew the budget in crayon? Would it make it magic and we have more money? (laughs) He did also say that to make the economy better, people should just think more positive. No, Steve, that doesn't work for a major economic meltdown. No, Steve, we need to think of money. We don't have enough of it. (laughs) And in proper grammar, I think you'll find Steve disappointing. Well, he only works for the Tories. They don't believe in education. Yeah, Cameron. I'm still annoyed at Cameron. He's not done anything to match Obama and his White House for the Rick Rowling. Does he have a sense of humour? Or does that include, like, killing swans because it's amusing? (laughs) (laughs) Fear of getting getting too off-topic. Steve Hilton, you keep looking at the sky. You keep aiming high. And one day, you might walk up a building. (laughs) But it's all right because there'd be trampolines because he'd have put in a major policy review. Of, uh, there have to be trampolines every 100 metres off the floor. Mm-hmm. So it's all right, don't worry. To Steve. make the people think more positive. <laughs> <laughs> Move on um, to the plans by the coalition to draw up the boundaries or redraw up the boundaries. They're trying to cut the number of MP, uh, constituencies and therefore MPs from 650 to 600, which will uh, provoke a cross-party rebellion more than likely that it has been said, alleged, that um, could topple the government by October 2013, with both Conservative and Liberal Democrat sources apparently um, acknowledging this could well be the case. Who was that second party? Um, the Liberal Democrats. And... You heard of them? You have you voted for him? Wait. Oh, yeah. Still uh, it's my mind. And oh, do I mind? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim Davidson. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the boundary commissions in Wales and England are due to publish detailed plans for redrawn constituencies in the first two weeks of September, just ahead of this year's uh, party conferences which should make it even more exciting than usual. Oh, it would be riveting. Yeah. The proposals will leave only 25 seats undisturbed and will inevitably set some MPs from the same party against one another as they battle to prevent seats from being abolished, which, you know... Makes it it sound like some kind of cave. (laughs) Hell in a cell. (laughs) For crewing that (laughs) witch. And Nick Clegg has thrown Simon Hughes to a table. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's got the steel chair. <laughs> Vince, get the chairs. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. Um, John Prescott. Uh, John. Why does it John? John Prescott is a bizarre version of mankind. <laughs> uh, eat the pie. <laughs> Sausage is strapped to his fingers. <laughs> Eric Pickle, the cheap version of the big show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I paid to watch that. And uh, Dennis, Dennis Skinner as uh, Vince McMahon. Pay per view as well. Yeah, definitely. Bring in a bit more, a bit more well, revenue. Resources. We can use yeah. it to reduce the national debt. 
I think we're full of good ideas. How has Steve Hilton not come up with this idea so far? <laughs> I don't know. Too busy looking at the sky. Useless. Yeah. Um, well, basically, Siri, senior Tory and Lib Dem sources have acknowledged that the requirement to put the final revised boundaries to a vote in the Commons will provide a flashpoint. A Conservative advisor on the review admitted it will be the greatest single risk to the coalition making it through its full five years. It sounds fairly ominous. Yeah, and uh, one Lib Dem said it is inevitably going to be a point of high, even maximum, tension in Parliament. The result of the vote will be tight since Labour will vote against the changes en masse and some of our MPs will rebel, as as will Tories, concerned that they will see their seats taken away. But it's a leap to say that the coalition will collapse. So it's interesting that once everyone's self-interest is at risk, then everyone's just going to turn on each other. A bit like The Road by Cormac yeah. McCarthy. It's just going to turn into a post-apocalyptic weight loss. That's what's going to happen when Viggo Mortensen's going to be walking around there with his son. So, yeah. Expect to see a bombed-out House of Parliament following the vote. Once the proposals are published, they will be subject to consultation over the following 24 weeks before a vote in Parliament that can take place no later than October 2013, which is ages away for the wasteland to... Uh, come about so basically stock up on tinned food while you can and um, research undertaken from the conservatives suggests far more seats will become marginal and the Lib Dems along with nationalists will lose as many as 10 the Tories could lose as many as 15 seats and Labour 25 <coughs> yeah quite handy that's quite bad because most of the Labour seats are all those tiny little constituencies up in the northwest, especially where, where I'm from anyway there's in Bolton there's, a, there's like there were a few seats until the last few years, so I can imagine Labour will lose a lot of seats around uh, industrial heartlands. Yeah. It's just funny how it's turned out and quite unfortunate. I'm sure the Conservatives will be apologising in due course. <laughs> yeah. However, the projections are not quite as bad for the Lib Dems as some estimates produced earlier by Professor Lewis Baston for Democratic Audit and published in The Guardian. He predicted that the junior coalition partners could lose 14 seats in the shake-up, which is pretty much 90% of what yeah. they have. I've got an idea to make money on this, like the last idea about, you know, the fighting. Instead of having an act that, you know, gets rid of 50 seats, we've all seen on Prime Minister's Question Time, there's not enough seats for everyone in the, uh, in the House of Commons now. Why don't we just have a massive whoever gets first, whoever gets to the seat first, Stays, and if you don't get a seat, see you later. It's discriminating against Prescott and Pickles, though, because well, Prescott's in the Lords now, so that's all right. Well, yeah, I suppose, but Pickles would just be you know, convert to the form of a bowling ball and just move <laughs> <laughs> like the giant ball in Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just running, there should be Tom Watson MP running down the middle aisle going, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Followed by a small Asian child saying I didn't, saying I didn't touch anything. I touched I nothing, <laughs> Indy. <laughs> oh, if only politics was that funny. It is that immature that it probably could like dissolve into a game of musical chairs. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose John Burkow's all right. He can't be unseated. Yeah. <laughs> so he's quite happy. Mm. Just thought I'd mention John Burko, close yeah, friend of the show. We do like yeah. him. Well, he's going to be pressing the play button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's move on then, shall we? Hi, I'm David Willett. I charge you more for university. You don't like it? Go abroad. <laughs> uh, the old, if you don't like it, you can get out approach. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, basically, this story is all about university fees. Uh, more students from England should be able to study abroad, says the university's minister, David Willits. Uh, he said that it should be easier for English students to gain credits towards their degree while studying overseas. Um, he said that there should be a greater mutual recognition of qualifications between countries. With many students in England now facing tuition fees of up to £9,000 a year, it's become much more popular for students to want to study at foreign universities. I get him. <laughs> Speaking at a Westminster Education Forum event on uh, higher education, 
um, the minister said that he would like to see British universities with more of a presence abroad. He said he would like to see them be able to raise enough funds to set up more operations and he would like to see greater rec- mutual recognition of qualifications so that a student born in Britain can build up credits for a British degree while studying abroad. And that may be a way in which we see rather more British students studying abroad. Um, such a move could see more students working towards their degree while studying at a foreign university or an over- overseas campus of an English university. Um, so essentially this just seems like empire through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> we'll build more universities over there. Yeah, yeah. We just have people flooding over there, educating their people. <laughs> Coming over here, taking our university places. <laughs> we'll go over there and take their jobs. <laughs> and then come back here again. <laughs> I, I do like how every fourth sentence in his uh, press conference started with, I would like to see. Not. I will ensure or I am going to make sure just it would be quite nice if this would happen. I'm not going to do anything about it because we're the Tories and we don't care. But I would like. Mm. Thanks, David Willett, you goblin looking <laughs> creature. I like how we've just descended into just personal attacks now. Not just policy I don't attacks. like the man. I don't like the man. Yeah. It's also interesting that he said um, he'd like to see them able, the universities able to raise enough funds where would that be from? But considering how much they've slashed budgets, would it be from like private industry, maybe? Ocean finance. <laughs> maybe it'd be from the nine thousand pounds a year it's charging to all the students. I suppose, yeah. Um, that reminds me of a story I forgot to mention before, which is um, Michael Gove, who's a personal friend of Rupert Murdoch, has met him and he wanted him to sponsor one of the new academy schools <laughs> and and run it, basically. Or have a big say in how it's run. What would those kids be taught? I don't know. This is IT. Now to hack into email accounts. <laughs> Epics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> if somebody is murdered, is what they're saying on the phone, A, in the public interest, <laughs> or for you private? <laughs> Remember, kids, A is always right. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So this is episode four, and the only thing we can probably talk about this week is the riots and the fact that London and the rest of England went completely mental. I prefer to think it of a, a bit of a redecorating job. When there's trouble on the street, no police on the beat, who are you going to call? The Met. When your house is on fire, your situation dies, who are you going to call? The Met. Ooh, the Met will stop them in their tracks, stop them filling all their sacks. Phone the Met. They might even turn up. Basically, the whole riot started off with um, Mark Duggan, who was 29, whose death sparked the first riots in Tottenham because he was shot um, by the police in some uh, secret sort of inquiry investigation thing. Um so the details are very sparse and unknown. Um, but it was alleged that he fired at the police first. But then the IPCC have said that that's not true and that the gun that they found may not have even been his or that there was no shots fired or anything like that. So it's a bit dodgy, really, what's been going on. Uh, but that led to the riots in Tottenham, where a police station where police stations have been attacked, many iconic buildings, houses, businesses, and even a good old double-decker bus was burnt out. Um, and this sparked, like, 10, 20, 30 more copycat riots through London, Hackney, Brixton, Enfield, Islington, Ealing, Clapham and many other parts of London um, where buildings were attacked and burnt down and many more businesses looted. And there's also uh, riots which spread to Wolverhampton, Liverpool, Manchester, Nottingham and Bristol decided to get in on the act for (laughs) no reason at all. Um, Sadly, six people have been confirmed dead and over a thousand arrests have been made over the country with a magistrate court sitting 24 hours a day to try and get through the backlog of offenders, with um, many offenders below the age of 21, although it may have been demonised as the the young generation going mad, but a uh, 58-year-old man and many 30-plus-year-olds have been arrested and charged on public order offences. And uh, Cameron decided to come back off his holidays eventually. 
he recalled Parliament, in which he condemned the violence, which is usually a good start, and uh, said that law and order would be restored on the streets of Britain. He blamed the generation with absent fathers. He would know that, I suppose, being in a boarding school all his life. And uh, no respect for criminal justice system. And he then went on to criticise the police's handling of the rioting. <sighs> I could, you know, say, criticise his government not being there. Just... I'm Why were they all on holiday at the same time? Exactly. <laughs> Very stupid idea ever. So, this, the environment minister was the only one in Westminster at the time when it all started. He'll have a job on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Vince Cable was back in Twickenham and the rest of them had just, you know, either gone on the holidays or were trying to think of new ingenious ways to get expenses they weren't allowed. But I do feel sorry for the government, you know. They are just cutting back and people are just being rude, demand, demanding social services. Just, what's this country come to? Just handouts. Uh, but why the riots occurred? Now, you can go on the fact that it's related to the death of Mr Duggan. But you could say the original Tottenham one, maybe. But you could also just link it to, A, the fact that the cuts are attacking the poorest and most vulnerable in society. B, young people are being demonised in the media and, well, there's no real job prospects for them with the cuts of connections and many apprenticeships. C, a lot of people in London are actually just... Insert a certain phrase here. <laughs> and you could just go with D... Some of them thought it looked fun. Yeah, um, I read. Well, I think it was in. I think it was a Daily Mail surprise. Oh God! Which was Max Hastings' piece, um, which basically said that the riots happened because we no longer have like a deferential, respectful society. Like we no longer, you know, tip our hats or say please and thank you. Teachers can't cane children anymore. Everyone's mo- like molly coddled welfare dependent and jobless and it's like well well done there but you ever thought of the reasons why people are actually jobless welfare dependent and lacking respect to be fair he does raise a very valid point like i remember reading an article that said polish people have the same rights as me and was just like where is this country gone just we're not you know we don't even have an empire anymore what has happened to this country the day that you know Johnny Foreigner is equal to me, then <laughs> something sad has happened in this country. Just... It's, it's just like, this isn't a youth revolt. It's not like a... There's loads of... The, the thing that annoyed me about the riots is, yeah, we're not we're not condoning them by any way. We think it's just dumb. Like, we were up until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning texting each other, uh, going on about what's going on, where it's spread into, and how it's going mad. But the thing is, it's like... The P- A, the people were doing it, it's like, oh, this is a rebellion, it's, you know, we're standing up for what we believe in and stuff. It's like, no, you're not, you're throwing a bin through Curry's window, right? The people standing up for what they believe in are in the Middle East, throwing dictators. You're stealing a 42-inch TV from PC World, you know. It's like, get your priorities right. The one thing that did slightly amuse me, and the person who was covered like their face was completely covered and they just chucked something through top man and were nicking clothes out of it and when they got asked why they felt that they were allowed to you know take stuff out of top man they said well the owner doesn't pay british tax so in in a way this is me getting my taxes (laughs) he's clearly informed to know that the owner of top man is very dodgy in how he gets away with not paying any british tax but I also like of, you have just looted a shop. Yeah, it's like um, the guy. I think there was um, he was a reporter, wasn't he? And he was down on the street talking about what was going on, on the street, and some people were looting. It was Curry's across the road from him, and he was asking someone why they were doing it. He said, "I'm getting my taxes back." It's like, well, you don't pay your taxes to Curry's. <laughs> go and if you're going to loot anywhere to make a political point about taxes, you go and loot Whitehall, right? And steal a bunch of staplers and stuff. But the the there's just there's, there, you're not fighting, you're not getting your taxes back. What you're doing is you've seen, you've gone, ah, oh, I want a new TV or a DVD player. So you've gone down there and thrown thrown stuff at the window, climbed in and stole stuff. You're not making a political point. And I'm just sick and tired of people trying to paint it as a political thing. Because the first riot that happened was purely because of um, the shooting. 
and there's nothing else ex- there's no more to that and just everyone else just saw oh well the police are a bit thin on the ground let's go and have a riot you, you could just say that out if the reasons for the uh, riot was a pie chart let's say five percent of it could be mildly political because it is well known in london that the black community does distrust the police because they're 26 and a half times more likely to be um stop and searched than a white person mm. and on question time on the bbc there was some conservative chap with an interesting opinion to which i would like to put his opinion into a shredder and then burn it for how logically he put it forward but there was one person who said that I, he was a well-to-do businessman. He owned a couple of shops around London and was um, edging out outside of London with his business. And he'd been stopped in a week 17 times by the police. Now, that says it all. If, if you're look, looking at, let's say, a 17-year-old Afro-Caribbean lad in London and the police stopped and searched him and went, oh, we found a knife. You could go, okay, there is a gang culture in London. Maybe that's a legitimate reason to search someone. But they were searching a 52-year-old Afro-Caribbean man who was in a suit. Now, unless the gangsters have got a little bit more like Grand Theft Auto, I don't see why that's a legitimate reason to be searching anybody for, oh, he might be in a gang. Because I don't think he is at 52. I think you've usually grown out of like the the whole rhetoric around it as well and this now apparently now we've got a return of the underclass according to um mark easton from the bbc um in his piece where he quotes ian duncan smith who said that we now have a more menacing underclass and is it me or does underclass just not seem to fit in anymore with how we do things i think the whole class system is just a bit weird now and it's just to call people underclass you may as well just call them like chavs is essentially what they're trying to say well, I think that they maybe need to rephrase the term underclass to, uh, let's say, not having a voice in society. Those people who are just perceived to be a drain on society or that it, it was like there's actually a blog from The Telegraph, which I can't believe I'm about to agree with The Telegraph. But the blog saying that we do have a major problem at the bottom of our society and that's getting a lot of media um attention this but, is mac this is um max hastings right yeah yeah but he was saying at the, at the top of his um at the top of society that there's even worse problem there's people who aren't paying any tax there's people who are just treating the law like it's their friend to do what they want with and it won't come and hurt them so how can the you know like the middle class and the upper class feel that there's uh like an underclass in this country when they're expecting the underclass to play by the rules, play by how society wants them to live when they don't even respect the rule of law. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's, um, it's MPs expenses. It's, you know, phone hacking and stuff like that. It's like the people at the top consistently proving themselves that they're probably no better. Yeah. But the fact is, uh, the people at the lower end are going to get all the press because of the way they're going about it, which is completely obvious looting. But you could just say, you know, metaphorically, that's what the elite, the ruling classes are doing anyway. So you can see there, there's so much politics and social problems behind it. It's just the way that people have gone about it. A lot, I think probably 90% of the people who were down there doing it were doing it to get something out of it. Oh, they were yeah. doing it to make a political point. And that's why people have been so disgusted with what's going on. I mean, the fact that six people have died yeah. is... It's crazy. It's like, this is, as much as I don't want to harp back, this is Britain. It's not something that we do. It's really weird. It's like, when I heard it, I was like, what's going on? It's like, Greece have got real problems, you know? The Middle East have got real problems. Libya, Egypt, I can imagine them rioting. But we're more privileged than anyone in the world. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of, it was, a, it's a really, it's been a weird week for yeah. England. The, the one thing that we should point out is, is that Cameron's come out attacking the people who were trashing up private property and looting. Um, he was in a club called the Bullingdon Club who regularly went round to other people's properties and drinking establishments and 
pretty much trashed them up. So, you know, and he's also got a cabinet of multimillionaires and the cabinet that was essentially stealing public money. So I don't, I'm still, I'm not saying either are good. I'm just trying to say which one's worse. People trashing up private property because, you know, they don't feel they're listened to by the government or the people who are in the political class completely ignoring the lower class and doing exactly what they want. This country needs to look at itself long and hard in the mirror and change itself. We need change. We need a new government already. We need Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, just, it's the quote that Nick Clegg gave, which he distanced himself from. And it's like, you can't really distance yourself from a quote that you said. You try and do it all the time, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not the deputy prime minister. All right. <laughs> I'm allowed to be hypocritical. But he said that any government that is bought in or elected in, um, either through coalition or through you know the electorate itself, which has a very, very small mandate and then tries to cut back or take on major social issues, it will cause a riot. Yeah. And uh, that is verbatim as well. He just he said if the Tories get in, there will be riots. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Nick Clegg of the past. He, you've also got the fact Theresa May said that police cuts won't affect law and order, mm. which um, yeah, I don't think Theresa had a good week, did she? She did a Ed Miliband esque robotic response. He, um interview in which he said, "I'd like to praise the police service for the work and." you know, putting themselves in danger. And then someone asked her another question. She went, I'd like to praise the police service for the work and putting themselves in danger. It's like, no, Teresa, that needs another answer, apart from the one that you've just repeated to another reporter. She says, that's the only one I've got written down. (laughs) It's the only one my press secretary's cleared, so I'm just going to stick with that one. But this country really does need to sort itself out. We desperately need to look at why these riots happened and not point fingers. Because in all honesty, if this media, society and the government just comes out pointing fingers, there will be more riots of just young people going, I'm not taking this. I'm going to look after my own interests. Like Ed, Ed Miliband criticised the entire society, which is a bit rich coming from Ed Miliband, but still. <laughs> saying we have such a, you know, me culture. And sadly, we do a little bit. Yeah, just He's probably hit the nail on the head there. There's, but again, like you said, we can't boil it down to one issue. We can't boil it down to uh, young black men. We can't boil it down to anything in particular, for example, like some people have tried to do. It's There's there's probably about 500,000 different separate reasons that have all added little and little to something like this happening. And the kind of scary thing is, is that there isn't there wasn't a massive political motive behind it and it went off big time. And the the issue is what happens when there is a political motive and there is actually something big. How widespread and how fast is it going to blow? So that's the end of part two. There is one more part to come. And then that's it for series two's best bits. And uh, hope you enjoy them.